With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Restoring Grace Radio on blogtalkradio.com. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. Thank you for joining us either live or on archives. Restoring Grace Radio is here to provide online lessons about the Christian faith, our history, our documents, and how to express our faith to a very needy world. Thank you for listening, and now, on to our broadcast. Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace, and whether you're listening to us live or on archive, thank you so much for joining us. We are on our second episode of talking about candid conversation, sexual assault. With me in studio here is Rebecca Lynn. I'll be getting to her in just a moment. So listen, first of all, um, if you if you saw some of the previous comments of the episodes, guys, thank you so much. We really appreciate the fact that you've been listening, appreciate the fact that you've been sharing the show, and I would ask you, please, Continue to do that. Continue to, to um, share the show as much as you can on your social media pages. It matters. And here's why. Um, there are some things that we'll listen to and some things that we're going to do in life, and we'll go into work the next morning, and we'll say, oh, man, I listened to that guy David talk about something about the scriptures thing, and that guy's an idiot. And we'll have a big conversation of what an idiot I am. And that's fair. I'm for it. This is not that kind of conversation. A lot of people are not going to go into work tomorrow and say, I listened to this thing, and it was about this, and it was tough, and it's about my life. Listen carefully to me. You're listening to the show. You're in a situation similar to this. Um, It could be sexual assault. It could be abuse. It can be you name it. And there doesn't seem like there's a way out, and there doesn't seem like there's any hope. You are in a tough place. And I don't want anybody to tell you anything different than that. It's a tough place. But the answer is there are resources. There is hope. There are people. It's finding them. And that can be very tough. I've never been in that spot before. So it's easy for me to talk about it. But one of the reasons we decided to do the program was because we've had plenty of talk. Facebook is full of these armchair social justice people that get all mad about, oh, it's about children in cages. It's about this happen. It's about a flood. And then two days later, nobody cares. This particular series is going to take time to develop and to stretch itself out, and your feedback is crucial to understanding what are some of the things that may be my blind spot, something I'm not seeing that needs to be discussed. You have the email. You can go to my Facebook page, Restoring Grace, look me up, and leave me a message. Last thing before we get started. Um, My teacher, Rabbi, he has a very famous statement. I love it. He said, we are here to bring out light and not heat. And there's a difference. 
Light helps us see things. Heat just makes everybody mad. This show is dedicated to the amount of people who are facing tough challenges in their life and are trying to find some answers. Why is this happening? Is it okay that this is going on? Does anybody see this? Does anybody care? These are some challenges that we face every day in our lives on many different levels. But the fact is, this show will be painful. It's tough to listen to. It's a tough subject. That's why it was important for me to find somebody who actually has experience and expertise in the field and for us to get these kinds of things out. So I'm going to give you the best piece of advice. I have a friend in California. He's a Christian music minister, and he makes these CDs. And I heard him one time. He said this to the crowd. He said, if you like my music, I want you to go in the back, buy a CD, go home, and share it with your friends. He said, if you hate my music, he said, I want you to go in the back and buy 10 CDs and throw them in the trash. That's where we are. That's where we're at. It's all about getting this message out to the people that want to hear it. So last week, a huge outpouring on that show, a great get, get started for the subject material. Now, the point now is going to be finding a way to hone in on specific topics. So talking to Rebecca right before she got here, or when she got here before the show, we came up with a word that everyone has heard this word. Everyone has signed a piece of paper with this word on it somewhere. But unfortunately, I think there's too many definitions of this word, and that was the word consent. So um, I'm going to flip the mic over to you and get you started, and we'll talk a little bit about consent and a couple of the other things that we had, and I may or may not chime in. I'm not going anywhere. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be around. Well, I'll have you run errands for me. <laughs> That's great. I might need chapstick okay, and yeah. all that. Yeah, I can do so. that. Um, well, again, thank you for having me on here. Um, such an important thing that we're discussing, and I just couldn't have found a better avenue to do this. Um, and last week was, it was our intro. It was kind of, you know, here and there and all over the place. And just know I am all over the place all the time. So you're going to get that um, from me. But we're going to try to narrow down the topics. Like you said, we're going to talk about consent. Um and actually, before he um, brought up that word, I thought, okay, we're going to talk about the different kinds of abuse. And because I've said before, some people don't even know that they've been abused or don't know how to put words to it. Um, and so we're going to help clarify that. Um, and some people just know that they feel violated. So when he was talking about, you know, what, what consent means, um, he was throwing it out there, and I thought, you know, those two kind of are mutually ex- exclusive. What is abuse? What is sexual assault? It's it's um, not having consent, and of any sexual contact, even things that aren't contact at all. But so the two are kind of mutually exclusive. But it got me thinking that, you know, this is a question that more people have than not. I bet because it's not just. Um, you know, we had that whole campaign, no means no, and then we had the flip side, yes means yes. I think that was the 80s or maybe it was the 90s. Um, and maybe people have problems with boundaries because I think men and women pick up on um, social cues differently and different from each other. <laughs> I think men rely more on body language and perceived body language, and I think women um, rely more on words. Um, I guess we're better communicators, things like that. Um, so there is a breakdown here. 
And so in order to understand what abuse is, we have to talk about what consent is. Um, we have to also understand that certain people cannot give consent. And I'll just put that right out there, right, get that out of the way. Um, people who cannot consent, there's an age. Um, it's different in every state. The age of consent, I think, for Colorado is 17. It's not even an adult. But the age of consent for sexual things is 17 years old. Um, under 15 years old, you cannot consent to a sexual act, not legally. And if you're between 15 and 17, one actor has to be at least four years older than you um, for it to be considered not legitimate consent. For example, um, child brides. I happen to have been a child bride. I was 16 when I met a, I think he was 25 at the time, 25-year-old. Um, and we started dating. And at the time, I didn't have a problem with it. I, this was the key, uh, the ticket out of my parents' house. I was, you know, he had tattoos and long hair, and I was just really digging it. Um, but I have a problem with it now because I was not able to consent to sexual activity with this man. And he was a man and I was a child. My parents told me, you're not going to see him. Um, and technically, it was illegal. Um, and I ended up getting pregnant by him. And then they forced me to get married. So under that circumstance, even though statutorily, and I'll explain what that means too in a minute, statutorily, I could not consent to sexual activity with him, which led to me getting pregnant, but my parents could approve me marrying him, which that eliminates the statutory side. After I was married to him, he could no longer be prosecuted for a statutory rape is what we refer to it here. Um, so, and I, of course, I didn't have a problem with it then, but I do now. Um, now, that is different than marital rape. We'll talk about that. The age of consent is statutory, meaning that they don't have, the state doesn't have to define the person's culpability, meaning like knowingly, this person knowingly had sex with a 17-year-old or had sex with a 13-year-old um, it's just statutory. It is what it is, basically. The fact that I was underage and he engaged in sexual activity with me makes him guilty of that. It's kind of like the DUI laws. Um, a pretty important question about consent. It was a couple months ago. He wanted to know about how a woman could, specifically, a woman could not get in trouble for her actions if she was blackout drunk, how come she can't consent to sex, but she can, you know, go out and choose to get in a car, run over a whole family of people, killing them, and she's held liable for that. Well, DUI laws, um, some of them are also statutory. So just the fact that you drove with the alcohol blood content that you did means that you're guilty. There's no knowingly or, you know, no culpability there. It is what it is. Um, now, consent. So when we're understanding consent, there are different ways that a person can consent. And, again, there are people who can't, people with certain disabilities, um, mental disabilities. They have to be able to understand what that sexual activity means, what the consequences are, et cetera. Um, and like agreeing to um, kiss somebody doesn't mean consent for further stuff. So we're going to define that a little bit too. Um, 
just a minute. Let me get my notes here. Now, there are, are several different types of consent that the state takes into um, consideration when you're talking about is this a rape or is this an abuse? If Assuming the person can consent, they're not blacked out, unconscious, they're not underage, and it's an adult versus an adult where both the actors are adult, and, and how does this person know that the person has consented? The most common type is verbal um, consent, which is free, freely given. You're not under any kind of duress. You have um, absolute um, willingness. There's affirmative consent. It's um, still limited individually. You know, circumstances can surrounding the consent can always be no means no and yes means yes. Um, implied consent. I don't think that's really um, a defense here in the United States much more because that kind of goes hand in hand with um, victim blaming. If well, well, what she was wearing implied that I could do this. What the fact that she went out with me with me implies that we could do it. So we're gonna you know, stay away from implied consent, but I do want to communicate about verbal cues versus nonverbal cues. Um, also with consent, you can change your mind at any given time. You can withdraw it. Um, if you go out with somebody and you agree to it, either verbally or nonverbally, or written communication, text messages, so on, um, and that's, by the way, the easiest way to do that is to talk about it, that communication is key in consent. Even my partner and I, to this day, will text about it. it. We'll call it flirting, but we'll say, hey, you up for whatever tonight, yes or no. If, if one says, no, we're not going to just go and do it anyway. We're not going to violate them. So communication is absolutely key with that. And in, in this day, I know people are afraid of being accused or being wrongly accused of uh, forcing somebody or having sex under coercion or whatever, the best way to eliminate it is literally talk about it. Do I, is this okay? Do, it doesn't have to be uncomfortable. And for me, I don't find it uncomfortable when somebody says, is it okay if we do this? Can we try this? Whatever. And, and agreeing to, to sexual contact or sexual activity um, on one level doesn't mean it's okay to go to the next level, whatever that is, or a different kind of sex. Someone can agree to, you know, oral sex and not agree to have sexual intercourse. And that those two are not mutually exclusive. But explicit verbal consent is the best way to do that. And there are some people that that's just going to be eliminated. There are some BDSM and, and um, what do you call that? I can't even think of it. Um, like if that might be somebody's fetish or kink, but there is absolutely, as talked about beforehand, that although there may be a gag in your mouth or whatever, you're still consenting to this. And that's where people came up with safe words. But even a safe word violation is, is a violation. It's still considered um, sexual abuse. Um, there's also sexual harassment, intimidation, bullying, coercion, of a sexual nature that has nothing to do with contact even. If people, if someone sends you an unsolicited nude picture, that's sexual harassment. Um, inappropriate comments, that's sexual harassment. So it's not just contact that we're going to talk about, but um, mostly affirmative consent and, and explicit consent. Now, you said earlier, um, we talked about 
So we're out together and we're eating dinner and we decide that it's time to partake. We have the verbal conversation. It's 6.30 in the evening and we go upstairs and we do our business. And then we're like, let's go back downstairs. Let's go for a walk. And next thing you know, it's 10 o'clock at night. You're tired. Hey, let's go upstairs and call it a night. We get upstairs and I decide, hey, I'm ready for this round two. And you say, no. I'm, I'm not ready for round two. Matter of fact, round two's out. I'm going to go to bed or whatever. And there would be a conversation where people would say, that's not sexual assault. We were just here three hours ago on the ground. The, the landscape was clear. Now you want to come back and say, no, that's not going to be it. Nice. The overwhelming response I got when I sent this out in an email to see what kind of answers I got, I got every answer except basically, no, she has the right to say no at 930. That's so consent is not a lifetime. Yeah. There's no hour thing. Like, okay, if I consent at six, that's good till nine thirty. You're right. You can change your mind literally at any time. Anyone can change their mind, and that, like, like I said again, clear communication about it is absolute key. If somebody says no, it's no. It's no for for until the next situation, and if that ever even comes up. Even if you have had a relationship before or a history, even if you had sexual contact that night, it doesn't mean it's okay. And usually it's not too uncomfortable to talk about. It's more uncomfortable to find yourself in front of a judge and jury, you know, later for it. That's more uncomfortable than saying, hey, is this okay? Do you still want to do this? But you want to also make sure that they're actively participating too. You know, not everybody is verbally saying, no, don't do this, no, don't do this. But I I go back to thinking about my own life and and just even recent relationships in the last 15 years or so, I've had to say that a lot. And and I think we live in this culture that just almost insists that men push harder. If a woman says no, then they're just not there yet. I was looking back on even movies, like any romantic comedy – it's a guy asking a woman who is not interested in the slightest, and he spends the entire movie trying to work up until she says, okay. And, and that is, is terrible for men. It's terrible for women that, that the expectation is that no doesn't really mean no. It just means work harder or impress them in a different way. Um, so let me ask you this. Now, changing gears from my, of a, kind of like a legal picture to more of a psychological picture. It's obvious to me that so in that scenario, the six o'clock thing happened, went pretty well. We went back out walking around. We came back. I've heard people, I've heard the testimony and, and read testimony of women where when the guy makes the second wave approach, they really don't want to do this. For whatever reason, they don't want to do this. But they said things like, I felt bad, I felt ashamed. There was something transpiring inside of them that made them feel like they were not worthy or there was something wrong if they said, no, I don't want to do this. And I I don't even know. I'm hitting you broadside with this. I want to hear somebody say, no, it's okay okay to say no. Your value isn't built on how much you do for somebody else. If you're feeling the no, there's probably a good reason for it. Right. It's hard to communicate that, though, to a partner, especially if you're just mad or even if you've known them for 10 years. It's hard to communicate all that internal stuff, you know, when you're born and especially when you have chronic childhood sexual abuse like I did. You learn first 
that is where your value is. Your value is in your sexual, how, what you can give to somebody sexually. For the longest time, growing up, even in elementary school, I thought, what can I give to myself or give of myself sexually? Because that's where my value is. And a lot of people will, will have sex with somebody because they feel bad or they bought dinner or whatever. It's hard to articulate that to somebody. And, and women, you have to remember, it's, it's not safe rejecting men. It's never safe. I, I used to teach my girls how to drive without making eye contact with men because when men perceive, especially if they're in a group, when men perceive that you're not um, responding well to their advances, they get dangerous. They get mean. They get dangerous. That's why women don't go out on blind dates a lot. They tell 50 people where they're going. They make sure they have a weapon in their purse. They make sure it's a public place. It's just not safe for women to to um, reject men historically. And I think we learn that from a very young age, and that's where our value is. And I think only now would I be comfortable telling somebody who took me out on an expensive date or something, I think only now I'd be comfortable saying, no, I don't want to have sex with you. And I'm in my 40s, and I have done this for a living. I've, you know, I have a lot of experience. I don't think five years ago I would even be comfortable with that. So I would be giving of myself sexually unwanted with consent. It still feels violating to me, but that would be very hard to articulate in court, unfortunately. And you can if you feel violated, but, you know, there has to be other elements of it like threats or coercion or promises or even even um, lying about contraception. You know, I have a friend who, who you know too. I'll just say her first name. Well, I won't even say her first name just for her privacy, but she was told by a man that he could not have children, and she consented to um, sexual contact with him and ended up pregnant by him and later found out he did not have a vasectomy like she presented, and had she known that he hadn't, she either wouldn't have had sex with him and and had a child, or she wouldn't have agreed, or she wouldn't have, um, she would have protected herself, so even that's a violation. And it's used way more often than we even think. About. And what's interesting in what you just said is that there, there is such an incredibly razor-sharp line between the idea of sexual assault and sexual abuse. Because if I'm in a situation where I can coerce somebody to the consent, in legal terms, that would not qualify as an assault or rape. But it definitely is sexual abuse because I understand fully this person doesn't want to do this to me with me, but I've got them shamed or I've got them – Whatever. I'm not talking about they're drunk and they don't know any better, but I've got them in a place where they feel like, well, he did all these things, and this is where the value, and maybe sometime we'll get into that. This is where the value covered. But there's so much education that needs to go on. First of all, men need to be educated that that doesn't equal this. Yeah. That's one thing. Yeah. And that's up to dads and sons and grandpas, and that, that's, that's a, that, that village type thing. Yeah. But the other part is the other part is letting ladies, that doesn't equal this. And I'm almost, I'm seeing all these hashtags popping in my mind right now. I apologize, but it's almost like our math is so bad on this subject. Mm-hmm. Well, if if we're heading this way and this and this and this adds up, then I've already got my sum. Yeah, I've got my sum, and I'm sh- shocked that you're not like, yeah, we're there. Yeah. And right. then out of frustration or anger or whatever happens next, but like I said, Rebecca, I can't make that line. Obviously, there are sexual assaults where, I mean, somebody violently, there's 
there's rape to the guy who this woman does not even know who this attacker is. But this one we're talking about to me is the intimate one. It's so intimate because you're well aware of the fact that this guy is taking advantage of a situation and you tried to know him and you tried to feel that I don't even know how to explain it. I'm stumbling over words, which has never happens to me, but that's where that, it's such a, a sharp line to me. It's almost like almost all of it's almost abuse. And then it escalates into, into this. And, and like, for example, I hear guys say, what are you doing? To, they don't say this to me. <laughs> Nobody ever says this to me anymore, but like, what are you doing tonight? And a guy will respond back and say, yeah, we're going to go to this place, and we're going to get some. And I always wondered, like, it seemed like there should have been another word there. We're going to get some food. We're going to get some. But that concept of some yeah. means that we're going to go have sex of no value. Right. Because it's just some. Carnal knowledge. It's just some. Yeah. That's what it is. Right. I don't have a name or anything to put in there. All these things contribute to the idea that at some point somebody can say, yeah, I'm fine doing this because this person doesn't matter or this Act doesn't matter. There's just a lot of pain here, and I don't do well with that. I don't know if you can tell or not. I don't do well connecting with that kind of stuff. I like to stay out of it. But all of a sudden, I'm sensing all this pain, all this suffering, all this rage out of something that should simply be that was given to us to be glorious. And you said earlier, it's really weird. Um, and for my Jewish friends, if you're listening, Muslim Hub, Friday night. Friday night is the business night for the man for Shabbat. They go and they have the Shabbat dinner and the family and the kids are put to bed and he showered and she showered. It's like an event. He asks permission to go out to and, be intimate with her that night after one year of marriage, five years of marriage, 25 years. There's never a point in that, and I'm sure they don't do it every Friday night, but you know, the idea is you know, the bride has come, there's this big it's, it's Shabbat and we're going to have our intimacy together he asked permission. They pray. He asked permission. I know that's not for everybody, but you married for 18 years. Well, that doesn't mean, though, that you consent. I wish Good I point. wish people would ask every time. Like I said, my partner and I always ask. We always do. It, it gets a little uncomfortable sometimes because we can interpret the rejection to mean that, rejection, instead of think about what's going on with this other partner. But we agree to it. Every single time, I don't see anything wrong with that. And just because you're married with somebody, that is not implied consent. Okay, you brought that up earlier. Yeah. Help me understand that because that was another one. I sent out some questions, and everybody looked at me like I had two heads. Yeah, I, okay. I've gotten that look a lot. Maybe, <laughs> okay. maybe it's because I'm talking to you. Okay. <laughs> implied consent, it's not, as far as I know, we stay away from that defense um, as as a country and as a state. I know, like Canada, they stay away from that. Implied consent, meaning there's no exchange of verbal consent. Like you said, uh, it surprises you that they ask for that. Like, I, I don't know. I just find it uncomfortable if somebody were to just start doing stuff with me. And that's fine if I am acting back and I'm touching them too, if I'm making moves, if we're talking, even if we don't talk, you know, that's giving nonverbal consent, but implied consent would just be you doing it to me and I'm just okay with it because we've been married for 20 years. And that's not okay. It's just not. In fact, it, marital rape in, goes hand in hand with domestic violence, too. You have to keep in mind that sexual crimes are violent crimes. They're, they're for control. They're for manipulation. They're 
devaluing somebody as a human. They're, they're, it's not just the carnal knowledge of another person. It's not just the sexual act. In fact, most serial rapists have problems functioning sexually. They, they can't have sustaining erections and things like that. It's not about sex all the time. For some people, I suppose it is, but, but you mentioned, you know, meaningless sex. A lot of victims will engage in what people consider meaningless sex or, or inappropriate sex or, like, violent fantasies. It's a symptom of the sexual abuse. And, and I'll just bring myself into it a little bit. For, for an example, I, you know, have um, violent fantasies. That is a that, – that sexually excites me. That's a symptom of chronic sexual abuse. A lot of women will be seen as having risky, you know, sexual behaviors. So you, the joke is that um, – like a stripper or somebody in, in a sex occupation, valid occupations, by the way, um, but somebody in that industry has daddy issues. And most often what that mean, means is men issues, patriarchal issues, um, control issues, things like that, because we need to recognize that sex, and it's not funny, because most do have daddy issues. And we call them daddy issues, but they're really men issues, meaning abuse issues. But... Um, where was I going with that? We were talking about implied consent. Um, but sex, sex crimes aren't always sex crimes, too. It, it, they're, we always have to look at the meaning behind it. We always have to, like I said, domestic violence cases, you, if you ask the, the person if they've been violated sexually by a person, oftentimes it, is, it goes hand in hand along with animal abuse and things like that. We don't think, even as the police, to ask, you know, so your your husband hits you tonight. We never want to go there. We just don't want to ask, does he also take advantage of you? And marital rape was considered not even a crime. I think up until 1999 or even later, 2001 maybe, in the state, it was okay to violate your wife. So I think talking about it is a good idea. And and if you guys are worried about it, you know, I'm talking to you guys. I'm sorry that I'm saying men and guys. Obviously, it's not just men and just women. Um, but I'm talking to the people who are confused about maybe boundaries and, well, when is it, what if they do this and what if they do that? Ask them. Ask them. There's nothing wrong with communication. I mean, that's what it's all about, communication, even nonverbal. And, and like I was telling you before we got started, most men will actually perceive um, consent through nonverbal cues anyway. They'll, they think that they can read women's body language. And let me tell you, body language and facial expressions during sex is not a language. It's not. Because they have so many varied different responses that you cannot have a language when you're having sex through just your body and your face. But through other things, like I said, both people participating, talking about it, can we do this? Do you mind if we do this? What if I did this? Do you like this? may sound like dirty talk, but communication is the best way. And you probably, you know, a minute ago you talked about the daddy issues, and sometimes it's a joke. There, A lot of this is ingrained in the culture. 
it's heavily ingrained in the culture. We were looking, Jen and I were watching this commercial, and she, she pointed this out. There's this really famous baseball player, Frank Thomas. He was a great baseball player. And now he's doing this commercial for something called, like, Nugenics or Nutrinics. Yeah. I'm not supporting the product here, people. Just back off. He does look strong, though. And, he, and he's a big guy, yeah. and he was a great baseball player. And he talked about after he got on baseball, he started losing his muscle mass, and he was losing his energy, and then he took this pill. And these other guys are also, you know, athletes and, and commentators came in, and they were making these great remarks. And, you know, if you're a guy watching the commercial, you're like, yeah, yeah. But then towards the end of the commercial, there's – there's this female reporter who asked some kind of question, mm-hmm. and he just looks right at her and looks in the camera, and he says something like, um, and you ladies are going to like it, too. I'm yeah. thinking, oh, hang on a second. Why are you ladies taking this pill? And it's like, that's not what he's talking. Yeah. This is blatant right out in front of Dave's going to take this pill. Dave's going to be a great sexual performer, yep. and you're going to benefit from it whether you like that guy or not. Yep. That kind of ingraining of the that we can do a commercial that flip it, and that some guy will watch that and go, oh, now I really want this product. You're still a jackass. You're still a bad person. You're still whoever you may be. Yeah. And there's and these pills aren't going to make you smell a certain way where women would be like, oh wow, smell that. I got to have this. Those kinds of remarks to me are like the most completely offensive remarks because no one's hiding anything here. Yeah. It's very obvious what they're saying, and she'll like it too, ladies. And she gets all puked out. It's kind of funny. Like she, she'll just be like, and then I'll wait. I see the commercial on the channel. Watch this. Here we go. I'm the same way with that very commercial. I'm just so you knew. You, you oh, knew. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh yeah. So it's, it's not just you. It's obvious. It's it's like, okay, what are you really saying when you're talking about stamina? We know what you're talking about sexual performance. But that's just blatant. I mean, it that's buy our product, and the ladies are going to like it too. There's no question what we're talking about, yeah. and that is a completely acceptable. Until you see the side effects, guys, read the bottle. Um, and if you look at this, and you're thinking, did that just happen on national television? We are completely okay in this culture saying, yeah, you're going to like it. Yeah. I want you to think about what I just said to you. You're going to like it. For the ladies too. I'm I'm the yeah. guy with the problem. Yeah. You're going to like it. Yeah. And and especially if you're over 50, they just assume that you can't sexually perform. There's a lot of demands on men, too. And the demands are different than, than they are on the women, especially, like, in a religious uh, setting. If you are having sex, like how I grew up, sexual uh, intimacy is for reproduction. And you almost felt bad. And I grew up Mormon, and I saw this a lot. Sex is not talked about. It was hidden, in fact. Um, you know, we had to wear the modest clothing and stuff like that, but it was, you know, all the things that we had barriers to were, were sexually driven and sexually centered, but never talked about because it was for reproduction, but men, it's, it's almost a competition, especially like college age, you know, you're encouraged as a man to go out there and have the meaningless sex and, and things like that. Women, you know, we are kind of terrified by that, but we're labeled differently for it especially if it's not for reproduction and it's, it's unfair. And you would think that we're in the year, you know, 2020 doesn't happen. The standards are different and they are, the standards are changing. We need to be aware of that too. We need to, we need to change with them. And it's not always about what's legal versus moral or what's moral and legal. I mean, it used to be legal to marry a 12 year old. It used to be, you know, legal to whatever, marry your cousin in some places it is doesn't mean it's morally okay. It doesn't mean those aren't mutually exclusive, those two. 
So, I mean, understanding the the law is is a great thing, but that changes. So, understand for yourself when you're engaging in sexual activity, does this person by action or by words, is this person, person acting right along with me? And let me tell you, someone who's like, well, she's been drinking heavily, that means we're going to have sex later, that's a no. That's a no, no, no. I, in fact, after we did the first show, I had a, a male friend contact me suspiciously out of nowhere. I hadn't talked to him in years, but our last contact, well, the time before last, our contact was he came over and he brought alcohol. He wasn't drinking himself. I didn't notice it until I was three sheets to the wind, and he took advantage of me. He hadn't had a sip of alcohol the whole night, and he took advantage of me. I didn't even really realize it until the next day when he asked me if I had a form of contraception, and, and I thought, what happened? And then he fully took advantage of it. Um, so I'm getting a lot of feedback from people like that who are just suspiciously, you know, seeing how I'm doing and checking in on me. And when somebody is intoxicated to the level of, how, as I say, even blackout drunk, that person cannot consent. And there, when you get to a level of alcohol in your blood that where you are become blackout drunk, it is evidently apparent to everybody else around you. And we do have the responsibility. If we see someone, male or female, stumbling, can't walk, can't talk, slurring, you know, we would stop them from getting into a car probably, hopefully, but we won't stop them from getting in, going into that bedroom. And, and you have to keep an eye on the people who aren't drinking, you know. And just because they drink, that does not imply consent. A lot of people think that. Voluntary alcohol is what they call it. If they're voluntarily drinking, does not mean that they want to get, you know, have sexual contact. No, absolutely doesn't. You know, some people, I've had some people where I've had to get a little intoxicated to sleep with, but, you know, okay. just being honest, I got you. being honest, sometimes I, I know that it's coming, I have to do that, and that's why I had to do it. So, but that different level, different conversation. But just because someone's drinking does not mean they put themselves there. That goes back to victim blaming. And we have to be careful to separate the two. I mean, it comes close when you're trying to argue, well, she did consent, and this is how, because she was, no, not because she was wearing revealing clothing, not because she's a promiscuous person, in your, you know, in your opinion, not because she was drinking, not because you took her out to dinner. But we need to think about the other ways. Was she you know, communicating with you, saying this would be nice to try, or how do you like this, or even something where I'm I'm wearing no panties. That doesn't mean it's a free for all, but you just want to follow up on that. It'll be uncomfortable, but like I said, less uncomfortable than being in front of a jury explaining your actions. And there's a conversation. We have about six minutes. Okay. There's a conversation about what's called a it's called logical causal, and what this is is it's a very dangerous template to lay over things that are important. It works on some smaller things. If we're having a debate on whether you think Jesus is real and I don't think he is, or whether we think, um, you know, this, this party is a better uh, political party, the logical causal arguments, well, these guys did this and now look at this. Those are okay because really at the end of the day, even if we're both wrong, no one gets hurt. Right. Except maybe my feelings. Right. right. The logical causal argument I see in so many, like what you said a minute ago, uh, somebody says to me, I'm not wearing any panties. The logical causal argument would say, ah, that is an invitation for me to find out if that's really happening. 
That's why that's a dangerous type of thinking. It's easy for guys because we think a lot like that. If yeah. this happens and this is what the outcome is going to be. Part of breaking out of that logical causal part is recognizing the value of you as a person and how significant intimacy actually is. Because the, the thing about that commercial that fascinates me, aside from its blatant commercial, yeah. is the fact that it devalues the act of intimacy. It gets it down to the fact that if I take a pill and I can perform, then I'm going to. Man, there's no there's no hunt in that. There's no there's no excitement. There's no getting to know you. There's no flirting. There's no chase. There's no nothing. It's just we've just got it ruled down to this idea of well, you do this and this is what's going to happen. The logical causal argument blows my mind that we've ever said anything to somebody like, okay, so you were sexually you were raped, you were sexually assaulted. What were you wearing? Right. Because if you think about it, that template would never be asked in any other kind of crime anywhere. Absolutely not, yeah. Any crime, robbery. What were you wearing? <laughs> what were they yeah. wearing? And, that, and to me, the biggest part of this conversation is this complete cultural, the logical, causal thing why I came and picked you up at the home, I got you in my car, and we're going to go do this. Well, we're already here as far as I'm concerned. We're at this point. We're going to have intimacy because you agreed to all this. What you're saying about this communication thing is mind-blowing to me because I think, like, if we did that with a lot of things, how much less trouble we have. But what you said that caught my attention was, yeah, it's a little uncomfortable, but it's honest. Yeah, it's adult. It's, yeah, right, it's adult, and it should be non-confusing. Like, at that point, yeah. I should be able to tell whether you're in a place where you're like, yeah, she understands what's going on here. All right, we're good. And, you're, and then we can actually do something of significance. At that point. Or insignificance, if people view right. it that way. A lot of sexual abuse victims don't view intimacy as that a great a thing. You know, it's an act for some, and they, they do act out. But um, when you brought up that, you know, let's talk about consent, I thought, indeed, my point was going to be that the problem isn't unmuddying the water of consent. The problem is the fact that we think we need to, but we need to. But we need to also just cover ourselves. If that's what, if that's what people are worried about, cover yourself. Get in and writing. You know, have safe words. Don't violate those. You can't ignore someone saying no. How often has that happened to me? A lot. Where you say no, stop, and they just ignore it. And they keep going. And eventually you concede and you just allow it to happen. It's happened a lot. You know, that's that's probably the, the thing that most often has happened to women and, and to me, other than childhood sexual abuse. Totally different thing. You can't consent as a child. But, you know, just someone ignoring it and, and pushing past it and just doing it anyway. And so we need to have respect for the people we're around. Um, if we see something, say something. If you can stop a drunk man or woman from going into the bedroom, stop them. If you, you know, if you uh, want to make it uncomfortable and say, does this mean we're going to have sex? Then say, does this mean we're going to have sex? If you want to get it on, if you're that worried about, man, I've really probably crossed the line a few times or I'm confused about boundaries, get it in writing every time. If that's what your worry is, the worry should be, you know, did I listen when she said no? Because when someone says no, they absolutely mean no, period. 
there's not a lot. Of, there's not a lot of working. You said earlier when we were talking. Yeah, no, no means no. You think we'd be past that part? We're not. The issue of consent really comes down to the idea of understanding what consent is. Yeah. But the other part is training. And guys, you can get upset about it if you want to go ahead. But training guys to understand the consent even a conversation piece. Because yeah. at some point, if I've learned through behavior that if I just keep pushing along long enough, someone's finally going to say, all right, let's get this over with. Yeah. Maybe not out loud. That wouldn't be great to hear. But, you know, those things, or if I keep putting, and I've got a series with that, then that's going to become a learned behavior, and that's going to be my go-to behavior. Yeah. Some guys, I married a guy because he was too persistent, literally. <laughs> so persistence, they teach males that persistence pays off. That's what we teach as a culture. And, again, that's the logical causal argument, yeah. which in some ways that's not bad to think like that if we're talking about your career or talking sure. about a goal in life or not. We're talking about um, there's a, a really unique concept in the idea there. Uh, when we talk about things like if, there's a, if you're doing something as a party of one, that's your thing and you're doing it and it's not affecting any ring of humanity around you, that's like a party of one type thing. Mm-hmm. But this conversation is never about a party of one. No. It just can't be. There's going to be somebody involved. And it's about understanding the responsibility of the person that's involved. That's where consent comes in. Um, I want to tell you, I appreciate you outlining what is not consent because I have heard conversations about that, and that blew my mind yeah. that that came up. It's like, well, how could that person possibly have consent or be old enough? This person isn't old enough to smoke. Right. And it's different. I, that blows my mind that the ages are so wildly different. It used to be like 12 years old. Here it's 17. I don't even think that's right. But And I can say all day long, well, I was married at 17. Yeah, to a sexual offender who was offending against me sexually. I mean, I didn't have a problem with it at the time, but I have a problem with it now. My daughter is a product of that. You know, and... Maybe had someone been talking about it, I would have said, you know what, that doesn't, that's not right. And and I'm glad that we're actually getting to talk about this. And I know I was all over the place again tonight. I really was. I'm looking at my notes like, what am I going to say? But, just, and I yeah. like the flow. We're just a couple of people having a very uncomfortable conversation, we and are. that's good. Yeah. You also mentioned, too, when you talked about your ch- the childhood, so you said the first thing that the parents, the parental units came back and said, well, now that you're in this place, the right thing to do is to get married. For their image, you're right. And yeah. to me, that's one of those things where the right thing really sounds like you were talking about how moral and legal are different. That just sounds bizarre. And yet I remember in my religious upbringing, my, my parents would have done the same thing. If I had been the 21-year-old that got a 16-year-old pregnant, that would have been my parents' response. They would have yeah. said, you're going to do the right thing. And you're going to marry her, and, and you're going to make this thing right by her, and you're going to do this. You know, at that point, I didn't even know what my favorite pop tarts were yet, oh, and yet they would have child. said, they would have said, yeah, this is the right thing yeah. to do. So that's an interesting conversation that our morality can get ahead of what actually is the right thing to do, and that's yeah. a challenge for a lot of religious people who listen, listen to my show. They're going to be like, wow, that's really hard to swallow. It's going to be. It has to be, but we're, we got to swallow it. We got to get it down because it happens. It happens a lot. And but we're getting somewhere. We're gonna keep going with this. I'm sorry I was all over the place again tonight, but <clears throat> just open conversation about this is gonna help. It's helping me. So there's that. We'll start there. My name is David Fournier, senior instructor here at Restoring Grace. 
Um, if you have questions, dfour26 at gmail.com. You can find that. Um, and just be thinking about moving forward in the show. Uh, we've got a lot of material to cover. Don't know how often or how long. Uh, we just know that we're not there yet, and we've got more things to cover. Again, thank you so much for joining us either live or on archive, and have a great evening. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.